Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're, start, or we're moving on in our identity series. You guys enjoy the last message? You're like, nope, it was terrible, Pastor. Do something better this week. <laughs> no. Don't talk to me like that. <clears throat> um, I do believe God has a really, something really good in store for our church as we begin to identify and understand who he made us to be. When we see who he made us to be, we start to stabilize, right? And last week we were talking a lot about how God made us uh, to have a Godhead in, in our life. He actually designed us for worship. He designed us to have God in our life. And so many times we'll put something else besides him in that space. And when we do, it, it, it gets really wacky, all right? So if something goes in the Godhead space of our life, that is unstable or can change, then we put that in there and all of a sudden when that changes, our place of worship, all of a sudden our identity gets shattered, it gets shaken, and now we become just blown all over the place. We get really unstable, life starts to go crazy. In fact, we move into what we would call an identity crisis. Yikes. Identity crises has happened a lot to people in their 40s and 50s. <laughs> Guess why? Here's the reason why. It's because when you're young and you're in your season of first, you're wearing this lens on your, uh, of your life where you see everything for the first time. It's filled with hope. It's filled with vision. It's filled with future. And you're going after it. And then all of a sudden, some real life starts to set in. And you start to wear another lens you put on another type of glasses that instead of as a season of first and hope, it's a season of sames. Same house, same wife, same husband, same dog, same job, same financial situation, same pain in my hip, same pain in my knee, right? Same pain in my rear. Same kids. And you go like, wait a second, I thought I was gonna be more. I thought I was supposed to be a rock star by now, right? I, I, I literally thought I was supposed to be before thousands or I thought I was supposed to be a multimillionaire. I thought I'd be happy by now. I thought I wouldn't be lonely anymore. I thought that I wouldn't experience pain. But instead, that same pain is there. And that same disappointment on your job is there. That same frustration in your marriage is there. Or maybe your marriage fell apart and you're like, I thought I was gonna have this great marriage and my kids and everybody's gonna be serving Jesus and instead you're in the middle of divorce or loss and chaos or financial disaster and ruin. I'm not trying to be so, it sounds so negative, <laughs> okay. But this is the reality of our life and we slip into identity crisis when though any of those things were our God. If any of those things were the place we were putting our hope, that those things can change or not come to fruition. They cannot come to completion. Or they happen later than we thought. Or we were misguided in what we thought we were really supposed to be all about. So identity crisis comes when we don't know who we are. And when we don't understand that we're first children of God. We're first kids of the king. 
If you're a son, you're first a son before a servant. If you're a daughter, you're a daughter before a doer, right? Just to keep it rhyming. That's not really a rhyme. We're looking at, thanks Josh. We're, we're looking at who we are as kids, and then we have to look at what we do. So we, we slip into identity crisis when we don't know who we are and we don't know what we're made for. When we don't know what we're made for, it can be as slippery of a slope as when we don't know who we are. And if we place our identity in the things of what we do, then we start to go nuts. So we gotta keep God in the right place. We're first kids. Then we get put on assignment to do stuff. So when my identity is not starting first from a child of God, and I, I believe I'm made for something that I'm really not, if I think I'm made for something I'm really not, then my life gets all unstable. I see wrong, I see myself wrong, I see God wrong. I see myself wrong, I feel wrong, right? And then I have all these behaviors that come out of this space of, this, of where I think I see myself or who I think I see myself to be. Here's one thing you're not. You're not a tool. You're like, praise God, I'm not a tool. Pastor told me I'm not a tool today. <laughs> You're not a tool. You know what? I, I, look, we're a prophetic church. We believe in the full uh, you know, uh, movement of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Super awesome. Here's the thing that goes a little wacky sometimes. And, and, and I don't believe that I'm, I'm not saying these prophecies are wrong, but it's when we think it's who we are is where we go wrong. So I hear some prophecies like, you, you're, you're anointed, you're called to be an icebreaker in Jesus' name. You're gonna break up ice. <laughs> that sounds awesome. But if I start to think I'm an icebreaker, I'm like, I come, Pastor Robert. I'm just gonna blow up your world because I'm an icebreaker and so I'm gonna do is take my ship and just crash it on top of you. Getting nervous, aren't you? I have this, I, I think I'm a tool. I'm a tool for God. You're not a tool. You're a son. You're a daughter. And you have an assignment. But you're not an icebreaker. The Lord might use you in people's lives at times when you are centered in love to help them break through things like an icebreaker. But you ain't one. You ain't a jackhammer either. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> that feels amazing. You're not a scalpel. Oh, every time I talk to somebody, I just cut them. Wow. Yeah, I just cut right to the heart. terrible you're not a scalpel your job isn't to cut people if I think of myself as a scalpel then I feel differently about myself and I see you as the person who needs to be operated on right. and I have no training I am not a surgeon don't give me a scalpel right 
You don't want me to have one. But if I see myself as a scalpel, then I see you differently too. You're my project. I need to operate on. Experimental operation. Now, you might get a prophecy that says, oh, God's going to use you like a scalpel in people's lives, like a surgeon, to delicately make a shift in their life, but you ain't one. (laughs) Yeah, you need to find out what you're made for. You're not a vacuum. You're not called to suck. The life out of every person around you. Just find the next person and just. Oh, that was amazing. People around you just like. Just dying everywhere. You're not called to be a vacuum. You aren't a vacuum. I can't even have a positive you know, flip on that one. Just don't suck. (laughs) Don't suck the life out of people, please, and don't suck the life out of me. You're not a screwdriver. (laughs) This could go all kinds of different ways. (laughs) You're not called to tinker and tweak. Like, you're not the, I'm not always tweaking and Tightening, I'm just gonna tighten up the ship around you. Just make sure you're just perfect the way I want you to be. You're not, you don't have to always be tinkering and tweaking. Now, God might use you to help people, but you aren't a screwdriver. If you think you're a screwdriver, you're gonna see everyone as a Phillips head or like a little thing that you gotta go tweak on all the time. Talking about identity crisis now. When we see who we are wrong, when we see what we're on assignment to do wrong, when we think we're the thing we're called to do, you're not a tool. You're not a broken tool. A useless tool that's already just been so damaged it no longer has a function. Oh, if I see myself as a useless tool, I've just had too many mistakes and I'm just too broken and God could never use me, then I'll never be used. And I see myself first as a tool based on all my skills or what I have or don't have compared to other people. And then I see everything as this project that has to be fixed and something needs to be done instead of who I really am, who I'm called to be. I'm first a son, then a servant. I'm first a daughter, then a doer. I belong to the king of kings who made me. He said it was good. He literally willed me into existence. And he said, I need you on this planet. I want you on this planet. And I shaped you for something, first to be my kid, and then I've called you for an assignment. You are not your job title or your assignment, church. You're not. Your assignment is temporary. Your identity lasts forever. Your assignment before God is temporary. You have a temporary assignment, and guess what? It can shift at any moment because he's the master, and what he decides is what goes. And how he wants to use you is not up to you or me. It's up to him. And so when we start to see him differently and fall in love with the fact that he's the master, and we love that he's in charge, and we love that he gets to shape and reshape. See, my assignment is now temporary. But my identity is immovable. It can't be changed. It lasts forever. So when I see myself 
as my job assignment as the pastor, or I see myself as the worship pastor, or I see myself as the ministry worker, or I see myself as the CEO, right? I see myself, you see yourself. What do you see yourself as? Oh, I'm, I, I'm the executive. Whew. I'm the garbage worker. You might be proud of that, and that's awesome. You should be. If that's what God puts you on assignment to, I'm the coffee barista. Sometimes we think about our job and we'll think positive or negative of it. It depends on what's around us. We're always characterizing things. We evaluate them and characterize. We see it and we look at it and we say, what is it and how good or bad is it? All the time. How good or bad is it? I'll look at my job assignment. The problem is if I think I am my job assignment, then the job I'm on, I look at that and I characterize it. How good or bad is it? If I'm a garbage worker, I go, that's bad. Because I kind of didn't want to be a garbage worker. Or people think garbage, clean up people are not valuable. It, it, the whole world, and then they could change. It could be like, oh, they are valuable. And you're like, well, then I want to be a garbage worker because then I'll feel valuable. The world around us is always shifting and changing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how many of you guys used to think Facebook was awesome and like so cool and cutting edge? And now I'm like doing Facebook and kids around me go like, you still play with that dinosaur? I'm like. <laughs> right? <laughs> you guys, you're the ones that actually make fun of me right there in that room, right there. They're like, uh, no, nobody, Facebook's for old people. I'm like, it's for old people now? I'm just barely 40. Well, almost 41, yeah. Things shift and change in the value of everything around us and what we say is important and valuable. If society is telling us what's important and valuable and that's where we get our value because our value is placed in what we do instead of who we are, who we belong to, and the assignment God's called us to, we fall into crisis. The world gets turned upside down. I'm not the prophet. Come on. I'm on assignment to be a prophet. If, you're a, if, if you have a prophetic gift and you're so good at equipping people that you are someone we would consider a prophet, it's not actually who you are. It's your assignment that you're temporarily assigned to. And maybe you get to carry that assignment out till you go to heaven, but when you go to heaven, your assignment is over. You're no longer a prophet. You're a son of God, a child of the king. Assignment is temporary. Identity lasts forever. Oh, I'm the counselor. If I see myself as a counselor, you're always the counselee. Have you ever been around this person? It's like every time you're with them, can we hang? Can we just hang one time without you being my counselor? Some of y'all that aren't even very good counselors, but you think you're a counselor, and all you do is give people counsel all the time, and we can't be friends anymore. Because everybody's a patient. You need friends, promise. And when you're a kid, you can have lots of friends. This is the reason why God said, I want everybody to come to me just like a little child. Keep your mind frame, your frame of mind like you're just a kid. You can be a mature kid, praise the Lord, That's, those are the best. But we have this mindset that, God, you're my daddy. I need you. i like a little child, and I need you to tell me who I am. Daddy, I need you to tell me what you want me to do. 
and, 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 I, and I'm gonna love that because I'm gonna feel safety and security when there's a good father in the room and there are kids that are going to their daddy and, and they don't know who they are or what they do and he tells them who they are and he gives them an assignment to do. They feel safe and secure and they experience relationship in love with the father. And it's beautiful. But if I think I'm the hero, then all I do is fly around with my cape and try to save everybody. I came out one day, it was on uh, the 4th of July, and I don't know, my kid, he was so excited about the 4th of July, and he was so proud to be American that he took a sheet and tied it around his neck, and he ran out in the cul-de-sac. <sighs> and he's just running around. And I remember my wife and I were standing at the door, and we're looking out, and it's like late. Fireworks are going off, 4th of July. And it's like midnight or something almost. I don't know. And my kid is running around in the cul-de-sac like Superman. And I thought, what in the world is a 16-year-old boy running around in the cul-de-sac for at midnight with a cape on? <laughs> Pretty fair question. But we didn't stop it. No, 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 no. We're veterans, man. We got six kids. We got, we're, I mean, we've been parenting forever now, right? And we got 22 years of parenting. You don't stop that. You just take pictures in your mind. Bang, bang, bang. That is amazing. But when you think you're a superhero, you do weird stuff. I'm flying in to save the day. Here I come. Because you're a damsel in distress. So everybody's a damsel in distress, and I'm a superhero, so what am I doing? I'm looking for crisis. It's coming in to save every crisis every day. So I see myself as a superhero, then I might see you as a damsel in distress. Sorry, dudes. I might see myself as the best friend, the rescuer, how about the helper, the handyman? Oh, man, you got something that needs to be fixed. Well, I'm the fixer. Just tell me your problems. I don't need your feelings to be a problem. I just won't even listen to those. I'll just fix you right up. Here's what you need to do. You're just a project that needs to be fixed. Problem is, is when you run out of projects to fix, who are you? You run out of people to save. Who are you? You run out of something to lead. What are you? Who are you? See, the enemy, he's this tricky guy. Okay? And he's real. The Bible tells us, Jesus actually told us that he's like a lion that's running around. He's roaming around to see whom he may devour. Don't pretend he doesn't exist. Don't pretend that the devil and all the fallen angels are not corrupt and as evil as anything that has ever existed. They are the epitome of evil and their desire is to devour you. John 10, 10 says this. It says this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the what? The full. See, the devil has come to rob you of something. He wants to, to drive you into an identity crisis. He wants you to get your hopes and stuff that's always gonna change and move around and is gonna be corrupted. And he wants to move you into thinking you're not a child of God. That's the number one priority he has is to get you to believe you're not a kid of the king. Because if you're not a kid of the king, you're not going to act like one. And that's his greatest fear. You act like a kid of the king, people start getting saved. Miracles start happening around you. Transformation in your own life. Because you're predestined, Romans 8 says, to be like the son. 
He shaped you to be like Jesus. You can't help it. When you submit your spirit to God, the devil flees from you. Come on. When you submit yourself to him, the enemy begins to run and flee. And when you submit your spirit to God, you actually instantly start transforming into the righteousness he made inside of you. It's already done. It's a perfected work. You're predestined for it. And so when you submit your spirit to him, when you understand I'm a child of the king and I'm not all these other things, God, I'm just on assignment for you, my identity can never be moved. And all of a sudden, the power of God begins to move in and through my life and stuff starts to happen. I look more like Jesus. I act more like Jesus. And you know what happened around Jesus? Miracles. Miracles, but when I see that I'm a miracle-driven child of the king, then I start to behave like one. I start to expect it. I'm wanting to see it. I start listening for the voice of my father in heaven because he's my daddy. Because I see him differently. He's not a distant God. He's a loving father that's fully destined. He's connected. And he's full. I'm fully made for him. I'm made to be in the destination, which is eternity with him. Come on. My destination is to look like his son all the time. James 1.8 says this, their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Says it in the NIV, such a person is a double-minded man or a double-minded person and is unstable in all they do. When our loyalties, when our mind, when our When our identity gets placed into the world, the things of the world, and not into God himself, we're this double-minded person. And it's not like, I'm not saying you're a bunch of hypocrites. That's such a silly thing to even think about. (laughs) What mostly happens in all of our lives is we get our identity in the wrong place, and then we start to struggle doing the things we wish we didn't do, Romans 7. Come on. Five, six and seven are all like, oh, the struggle going inside of me is like, I wish this war would stop, but there's a real war going. And when we put our identity in the wrong thing, when we put it in the wrong place, then it's, we start to live and drive out and live out that identity in those wrong places. But when we get our mind set and we allow the enemy to push us into these other spaces where we think we're something we're not, we think we're something we do rather than who we are, we start to have these radical, divided loyalties in our life and in our mind. And we, instead of being wholly, completely loyal to God and all in, we've got some loyalties to the world, some behaviors where we need to behave like the world because we think, well, I'm kind of this too. No, 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 no. If you think you're kind of the world and you're kind of belong to God, you're going to have serious problems. You are going to feel like this reed that's being blown. Every time the wind blows, it just pushes you down one way. You ever see like a reed? It gets blown in the wind. It's like, and the wind changes. It goes the other way. That's that's how we want to live our life? We're like those stupid floppy things. They won't ever get away from the car places. And then they just keep them up when they're so dirty. Like, why don't they just wash them or throw them away? These things are so annoying. Every time I see one, I go, I want to cut it off at the bottom. (laughs) Especially if you get stopped at a stoplight and you're watching one of those stupid things. That's that's what God's called us to be like. (laughs) 
God has called us to be stable. God has called us to be this rock in the world. We, we are this force that everything around is built on. The church is glorious. The church is not powerless. The church is powerful because we're full of the power of God. If we choose to see ourselves that way. Choose to align our thinking with the way God actually shaped us to be. We gotta get out of this identity crisis. God didn't make us to be double-minded and have an identity crisis. He called us to be just rooted and founded and fit firmly in his understanding who we are in him. Here it is, look. You and I have to get and see this, that we are the potter and he is the clay. Isaiah 64, 8. This is gonna help you shape this in your mind. Don't lose it. When you know that he's your good heavenly father, he's your good daddy, then in your assignment, you need to become clay on the potter's wheel. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Ooh. Things start to shift when I become the clay. And Romans 9 goes on to say this. It says like, who in the world are you to be a part of this conversation about what I made you to do? Who are you, who am I, to really weigh in on who God made us to be. He's the potter, we're the clay. He's the potter, we're the clay. That is my assignment. That's a pretty good assignment. Stay moldable, blob on the wheel. To be shaped into anything he wants me to do. At any time, and when he wants to change the assignment, he, I'm still on the wheel. Boop, he just blobs me down, boop, shapes me into the next thing. There we go. On to the next job. Because I'm a kid of the king. I'm just a blob of clay in the master's hands, ready to be shaped into anything he wants. See, when that's my understanding of who I am, man, Lord, I'm just thankful I'm on your wheel. I'm just thankful I belong to you. You've got your hands on me. You're working on me. You want to use me. The Apostle Peter teaches us that God wants to use, he wants to use vessels. He wants to use them, and he wants to use, he wants them to be pure and, and, and a pure of heart, right? Okay, to be used at the, at the master's hand, ready to go anytime he wants. The best tool, the best object or thing is the one you can find and use, right, in your garage. I just clean my garage out, spent all day yesterday cleaning my garage up, put my boys to work, we were just working cleaning, it was awesome. Watching your young men clean all your stuff up, that's a good day, <laughs> right? What dad doesn't love that? And we're organizing, I'm like, oh, there's that thing, oh my gosh, there's that thing, right? I'm like, oh, hang it on a spot where I can see it, and it's available to me. And then I'm like, I can use it. You and I are designed to be people who are on the potter's wheel, 
kids that are on the potter's wheel that want to be used. Our heart is in a position to be used. And when God speaks to us, we're in a spot with our heart. Our hearts are placed in a, a spot where we're organized on the pegboard of life, okay? In the workshop of life, ready for the master to just grab and use when he wants because we're listening and we know we're kids that are listening and we've prepared ourselves as the vessel he made us to be and we're ready for that use. Until he's like, I got somebody else that's going to do that job now, and I'm going to form them into that and hang them on that peg. Bloop, I'm going to work you on this thing. I'm going to put you on this spot, and I'm going to use you for this now. See, when your identity is rooted in the things you do, when God changes your assignment, your life goes into crisis. You're like, I thought I was a chainsaw. You're not a chainsaw. You're a kid of the king who's a blump of clay on the potter's wheel, ready to be used by the master's hand. Man, I see God as the potter, the master, and me as the clay. Now I start to see better. I see right, truly who I really am. And I fall in love with the fact that the master wants to use me in different ways, in different seasons, for different jobs, based on his perfect sovereign plan. Because he knows what's coming next. He knows exactly what you need and the people around you need. And he might have needed you to do a certain job for one time, for a certain time. But now he needs you to do another job so he can keep working. And what about the person that he's replacing you with? Maybe it's their time. And he wants to add something new through that other vessel. You and I, we don't know it all. We can't see it all. And we don't have any idea, really, of God's giant master plan. We're all just better off being a blump of clay. Is a blump a thing? A blop? A clump? A clump. Blump. New word, put it in the dictionary. Clump, I think, was the word I was going for. We'll settle with blump. But look at this. You really are a vessel. I want you to think about when God is shaping you into something rather than a tool, this is the healthiest thing you can think about yourself. You are made to be a vessel. There is things that God wants to fill you up with. Ephesians 3.17, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts, dwell, live within, okay, through faith. And I pray. So you don't earn it, right? It's through faith that God, Christ dwells in your heart. You make him the Lord of your life. Jesus, your master. Jesus, the only way to, to the Father is through the Son. Come on. Jesus, I make you the Lord, the God of my life in faith. And he does the work, and now he dwells in, dwells within your vessel. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in what? Love. May have power. What? Power comes from love. True power in the faith comes from love. God is love, so it makes sense that power comes from him. Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be, what? Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You may be filled to the measure of fullness of God. You can be filled, but you have to be a vessel, not a tool. You're a vessel. 
If you want to know your best purpose, the greatest purpose, your greatest purpose is love. 1 Corinthians 13. If I have all these things, if I prophesy, if, if, if I am doing miracles, if I am doing all kinds of exploits for God, but have not love, I am nothing. I am but a clanging gong or cymbal. Can do all these things, but if we do not have love, we have nothing. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, make love your highest goal. Make love your highest goal. Because you're designed to be a vessel who is filled to the brim. Remember John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to subtract from your life. If you don't know that you're a vessel to be filled, then you're not gonna be going after being filled. He's gonna try to rob and steal your joy. He's gonna try to steal your peace. He's gonna try to pull out of your vessel love. He wants to take it away, and he wants to kill it. He doesn't want it alive. But we, the believers, we have come that we might have life. Christ came that we might have life and life to the what? Full. You're a vessel that's not just made to be filled a weedy bit. You're a vessel that's made to be full to the fullest. Anybody ever get a great cup of Kaladis? And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I filled it too full. And it's like above where it's actually physically possible for coffee to rest upon a cup. And you're like, this is glorious. <sighs> and you just pick it up and you're like, oh, here I go. You get your knees bent. Carefully, everybody watch out. I'm full to the fullest. Right? God's called you to be a vessel, come on, full of some good Kaladi love, right? All the way to the very top, brimming over, where you're just like, can barely come around. You're like, it just starts spilling on people, right? Your job is to take your vessel and get it so full and just walk around people and just let it splash out on them. That's your job. Your job is to get full. To the fullest, not just, well, I got a little bit of fold out way down here. I want to make sure I don't get any out on anybody. God called you to be filled to the fullest, to the brim, overflowing with his love. If you want to win, God will use you for all kinds of things, but you want to win, you got to get your identity set in him. What you do is temporary. Your identity lasts forever. Who I am is a vessel. I am made for love. And look at this. My spirit is crying out for something to be filled with. It's crying out for something. My vessel is crying out to be filled with the love and the presence of the Father. Galatians 4, 6. And because we are, we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our vessel, into our heart, prompting us to call out what? Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Come on. When you're in your crisis, do what Jesus did. Jesus in the crisis at the Garden of Gethsemane, Mark 14, 36. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will. I'm just but clay. You are the potter. Not what I will, but what you will. In your crisis, get filled with Abba. Come on, let your spirit inside cry out for what it's made for. Your spirit doesn't cry out to be the CEO. 
Your spirit doesn't cry out to be the fixer. Your spirit does not cry out for you to be some rescuer or hero. Your spirit only cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy God, fill me up. You're made as a vessel to be filled with his love. You're made as a vessel to be filled with the love and the approval of the Father, not because of what you can do, but because you can be filled and he loves you. Come on. Your fear does not fulfill you, your Father does. Your pain is passing, your identity's forever. Your pain in this life is temporary. Your identity lasts forever. God didn't make you for your pain. He didn't make you for your fear. When we see ourselves as a vessel, man, we just begin to lean into him. Romans 8, 15, the spirit received does not make you a slaves, make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So who am I? You're something special. Come on, you are something special. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. First Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, that is Jesus, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. That's who you are. Look at this. I am a chosen people. I want you to personalize this. I am a chosen people. Come on, I am a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. I will declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. I will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away because I am a vessel for his love. Come on. Come on, put your hand on your heart for a second. And I want you to say this with me. I want you to pray it with me. I am a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. I will declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. I will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. I am a vessel of his love. Come on, come on. Father, in Jesus' name, we know what we're made for. Come on, lift your hands for a second. Jesus, I know what I'm made for today. God, I know that I'm made for your love. I know that your love identifies me. It's all that I am. It's all that I want to be. Father God, my spirit cries out to you. I need a fresh filling in my vessel. Right now, change the way I see me. I am no longer a tool in your kingdom. I am a son of God, a vessel of your love. God, fill me to overflowing right now, now, now in Jesus' name. Fill me to overflowing with your love that God, your presence, Abba, would then begin to minister and spill over on others. Use me as just a piece of clay, a clump of clay on your potter wheel, God. Transform me into whatever you want. God, my identity is temporary. My, my, my assignment is temporary, but my identity in you lasts forever. Nothing can separate you from me from your love, God. Nothing can separate me from your love. I'm a chosen people. I'm a royal priesthood. I am made in your likeness, and I am made good.
by your hand. You willed me into existence. Thank you, Jesus, that I am not my present pain. My crisis is gone. Come on, my crisis is gone. Come on, my identity, God, is in you. I don't have a crisis because I have you. I don't have a crisis because I have you, God. My problem is a pebble because I have you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I submit and surrender my identity to you. It belongs to you. It's not mine anymore. I'm not in charge. Come on, let it go. I give it to you right now, Father God. My identity is yours. It belongs to you. I'm not in charge. Thank you, Jesus. I'm who you say I am. I'm who you say I am. I'm a child of the King. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. Oh, and I have a crown of glory that was given to me by you, and I'm a vessel made for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me? If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today is your day. Do not walk out of here without surrendering your life to Jesus. It's so simple. Jesus, you are God. That's it. Jesus, you're God, and you're my God, and I invite you to fill me and move in my life. Is there anybody here? You'd be so brave. Just raise your hand while everybody's around. I want to I surrender my heart to Jesus. Come on, you're that brave. Jesus, I want to make you the Lord of my life. I'll pray with you right where you're at right now. Anybody here? I want to be, be what I was made to be. And I know when I choose Jesus, it'll be him. There's some people here. Where are you? Lift your hand up high so I can see you. Come on now. Nobody? I don't believe you. I believe you. We're going to pray. Pray this with me. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, say, Jesus, you are my God. I love you. I choose you. Shape me into whatever you want me to be. Fill my heart with your love. Dwell inside of me, Jesus. Change me forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.